Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Hello everyone, welcome to Absolute Rally, episode 6, season 24, happy post-hump podcast. Jackie Boy Banyan is off, um, post-coffee-gate or slash tea-gate, uh, Trevor Agnew is indeed um, out of the equation also this week. So, uh, we're joined by uh, Big John. Hello, Big John. Hello, everybody. It's, it's good to have you with us again, and of course, uh, my ever, I was going to say my ever-loving sidekick, but that couldn't be any further from the truth, Ryan Champion. Hello, Ryan Champion. <laughs> yeah, you just be careful how you explain that one. Hello. Yeah, I, um, I haven't, haven't had a chance to make my cup of Yorkshire tea just yet. Well, it's funny Ball you should say that, because that caused, it caused quite a lot of um, social media uproar, of course, not only what we discussed last week, of course, but the video that M Sport put out with regards to, obviously, how... Uh, week the tea was with Craig Breen. Craig Breen, by the way, is going to be joining us in the next couple of weeks. We have been speaking, Craig and I. Um, and we just, were... just defend himself on how he makes tea. That's yeah, the nothing to do with on. the M Sport move that, at all. Can I, can I just ask you a couple of questions? The most important one um, is that Craig Breen then confirming the move that you told everybody on Absolute Rally Podcast about a month ago? But unfortunately, the evidence of that brackets the interview itself got lost. Um, so you were way ahead of the curve on that one. We were, and we were. Secondly, Tony, when you've answered that, have you two fallen out or something with all this language about not loving each other? Um, no, 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 no. I just, <laughs> I just think, you know, we're, 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 we're being blokey blokes. So, you know, there's one photograph uh, of us hugging about seven years ago. Yeah. Which his if, wife took. If, if, we'd, if we'd fallen out, I would have said something like, my dog was ill or something and then just not turned up. <laughs> Do you think that's what's happened with Jack? Um, well, I'll be honest with you, I've had a far more pressing um, issue with regards to, to drink making. Uh, because it went down so well last week, I thought I'd extend it to this week. Um, and I'm, it, it was prompted the other day um, when I was making um, a drink, um, and, but it was cordial. Uh, and I'm going to ask a question. I think this is a, a damn good judge of, uh, of your character, rank champion. Um, orange cordial, do you put the water in and then put the cordial in, or do you put the cordial in and then put the water in? Tend to put the water in first. Yeah, put the water in first, big shot. No, definitely cordial if I did. I mean, it's rare that I drink that stuff. Um, most drinks these days that I have have to have either a metal top or a cork in them. And, uh, but if I was if I was to go for cordial, then it would be cordial first and then water. Yeah, it's, I'm more on Ryan's side because you can adjust the, how strong because, Yeah. Oh, you need to have confidence in your amounts, you know. You yeah. need precision. You yeah. need to be able to judge. Do let us know, folks. Studio at absoluterally.co.uk. That's it's important breaking news with regards to how do you make your cordial. Anyway, boys, um, John, you went with us last week, um, no. so we we, we 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 can allow ourselves a little bit of time um, to okay, to obviously yeah. look back briefly because these events are coming thick and fast now um, on Rally Finland. I'm sure. I think we probably covered most of it, but obviously your dulcet tones covered. The highlights package that that we, we we also all watched, of course. Um, have you did did, did, you, did you get Elven Fever off the back of this? Yes, good. Yes, I did. I thought it, I thought it was terrific. Um, I sent a particular little text to say, "You little beauty, well done." And Finland in capitals. That's a, that's a big one. Um, when Chris made one five years ago, it was a very big notch in his belt it was very important very big feather in his cap and uh, the same for elvin he should be proud of himself and it was all down to discovering something late it was it it reminded me of all these conversations that used to happen at hyundai where they said well it wasn't like this on the test 
And then you go talking to other people about how can they get this so wrong when they were slow on a Friday? And they would say, well, they were going on what they learned on the test. And I would say, well, you learn nothing on a test. You just turn up, go up and down, up and down, up and down. You don't have that competitive instinct. You don't have that context. You're not going to win a championship or a rally on a test. Um, and so the whole thing seems to have changed. His whole approach seems to have changed on the Friday. But added to that, there was something wrong with Seb. And Seb being Seb, we'll never, ever get to the bottom of it. And the two happened at the, at the right time. And I've always said that Elvin will really, Elvin at the moment will only seize the initiative and grab four points and Seb if he knows Seb isn't going to win. I think he's too respectful, too deferential to Seb. He's just got to elbow the guy out of the way and say, this is my chance now. You make your own plans. Um, and all of that combined to produce the most fantastic, the most fantastic Saturday morning and uh, rest of the weekend. It was it was absolutely wonderful. And he was so sort of modest and held in afterwards, you know. I mean, there would have been one or two that would have given it being gone large. But um, he was still consistently elvin after the win and just makes a championship or a title this year a little bit closer probably hard the odds but looking at the shakedown times today i still think you know the big money the big money is still on set well you you brought us quite neatly to that because as we record this of course it is thursday um of going into rally weekend for, for for spain but i asked the boys last week um and I think you've just answered the question in, in, in many ways. But, you know, where would your hard-earned hard five English pounds go um, <laughs> on the, the title this year? Yeah, still Seb, I think. Still Seb. I mean, um, you know, subject to when this, this goes out, Elvin has got the work to do. Uh, Seb has won in Spain numerous times before. I think it's three or four. He's perfectly capable of 30 points. Um, it sounds as though he's enjoying himself. It sounds as if he's back on the surface. He loves the whole, you know, the whole precision and the whole commitment to being on tarmac again. Uh, first on the road issue doesn't count. He's going to have a big smile on his face, and I think we'll know by Friday whether the championship is going back to uh, back to Seb Towers for an eighth time. Um, one thing we have had confirmed, uh, Rye, which we, we kind of alluded to quite a lot last week anyway, was the, the driver lineup, of course, for Toyota for next year. Um, Seb is going to do a limited program and also a new co-driver for him as well. <laughs> yeah, so the so the co-driver merry-go-round uh, continues, and, and I see the announcement uh, that Gus Greensmith is going to part ways with Chris Patterson as well after this weekend. Chris obviously came back out of retirement to uh, to help Gus, and, and so another new co-driver coming there as well. When is it all going to stop with co-drivers? Do we think? I, I do you know what? I, 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 there's a lot of people doing the hard yards. Um, and it's a shame Trevor's is with us this week because obviously he, you know, he was highlighting the, you know the Irish co-drivers that were on Finland, of course, you know, including Chris Paston who you've just mentioned. Um, but there's a lot of guys doing the hard yards behind the scenes. But my my fear always is, um, especially with you know, okay, the cars are going to take a little bit of a step backwards. We, we we think from from what we've got, you know, at the moment with these 17 cars. But until you get to that speed, it's still a it's still a bit of a different, it's not as much of a different sport, but, it's, you know, we've, we've talked about, you know, the A-list, the drivers, A-list, the cars. I do believe the jump is so big and that's, that's my fear. But, you know, everybody has to do the hard yards behind the scenes in the little cars or in the rally two cars or rally three or rally four, wherever it may be. But it is mm. such a big jump, isn't it? 
Oh, I mean, absolutely. Uh, as we said, these are the, the fastest cars we've ever seen at the minute. And, and interesting on that, and, and it's something we've talked about over recent weeks. I was uh, I was chatting with Matt Wilson um, on a track road rally, funnily enough, and, and Matt said he actually thinks in certain circumstances the new cars will be quicker already. Um, he said such is the performance from the, the hybrid package with, you know, using the the battery alongside the engine that yes they've got less aero yes they've got less suspension travel uh yes they weigh more but he was of the opinion that on certain stages they will actually be faster which i thought was quite interesting mm. and he should at the end of the day he should know obviously he's been the test driver so far um for, for, for m sport um in those cars but it's just with regards to funny enough you're talking about the, the rally one cars for next year one story that has come out and i'm not i'm never going to do the pronunciation of his surname justice but um john you can probably help me out here because you've probably said this name a hundred times already this year on the coverage but i'm i'm trying to go to avoid tanex co-driver um, oh martin yerviovia yes yeah. that's, that's about a decent enough step Thank you. That'll do. That'll do. Now, one thing that has come out, he has expressed concern about his seating position, or rather, not just his seating position, but the co-driver's seating position, right, mm. um, in in these new cars, um, and they feel like you know that that certainly needs to be addressed with these new roll cages and everything else. Um, and you know, this is just, these are the things that I suppose we don't. Uh, we don't really normally get to hear about, or maybe we do now. Maybe there's that much coverage, and I suppose we're guilty of it because we're part of that. But um, these are the kind of conversations that you don't really expect to hear about, and we just expect. You know, we normally we just see new cars come out, and but you know, mm. there's a couple of co-drivers already expressing concern with regards to where they're going to sit. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Thierry uh, isn't, isn't happy either, is he? Oh, sorry, John. Is 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 Thierry expressed the concern as well? Yeah, I, I had read something a couple of rounds ago that he had, you know, raised question marks about the layout of the interior. Um, I don't know it's very well for me to say that, isn't it? The specifics of what he's talking about. But I guess, Ryan, you'd be able to confirm this. If you closed your eyes in one of those cars as driver or co-driver, you could still reach out your hands and you knew where everything was because the position of everything in that car or your competitive car is burnt into the back of your mind and your memory. So you then get into these new ones and suddenly, you know, the thing is behaving differently because you're deciding when do you use that extra power that comes from the battery? Do you use it at the beginning, the middle? Where are you going to use it? Um, the position of things changes in the car because they've had the chance to do that. So suddenly you're having to get used to new positions for things that you've been very, that have been very familiar to you. And I dare say, uh, he's, you know, been asked the question and he said, well, you know, I've, I'm just a little concerned about A, B and C. Yeah, I, I, it's it's interesting hearing that happen, isn't it? Um, it we've been used to, I mean, certainly from a core, a core driver point of view, you know, they're, they're, they traditionally over the last, what, 15 years have been put as low as possible and as far back as possible for the, for the centre of gravity. Now, uh, something... In the packaging, obviously, we haven't seen these cars in detail yet, but obviously the, the packaging of the cars has changed, and it, it seems that the core drivers are, are, are now sat higher. Um, so, it, it, you know, when we see the, uh, the the final finished versions of these cars, that, that'll be something that's uh, be quite interesting to see why it's changed, what's changed that packaging. And, and to come back to the, the, the driver thing, um, you know, and you're hearing Thierry already uh, make some comments about it. It's 
it just takes me back to, and you'll remember this, John, when uh, when Subaru first went to their um, very low centre of gravity when Christian Lorio was still at Subaru, and and mm. and I remember Burnsy being one of the first drivers. Like he was sat so low that you, I remember him in the service area, like trying to get out of his seat so he could actually see. Mm. Where the co- where the front corner of the car was, yet on stage he, he did it brilliantly. But Christian Lorio yeah. was certainly one of the first designers to go. This is where you're sitting. You yeah. carry on and drive it. Yeah, yeah. He was very particular, and I dare say a lot of people are. I mean, Burns, he liked to have his legs stretched out. He liked to feel everything through the pedals, but he needed the wheel up fairly close to him. I think Marcus is a little similar to that. And uh, Burns, I know when he changed to Peugeot, found that it, you know he was in a car that wasn't quite the way he wanted it. Um, and you just get used to it, don't you? It's all part of that. So when you get that winning feeling and things are going well, then it's partly because everything is in the place where you want it. And you feel that because, you know, it's, it's where everything is where you want it to be. And that just adds to that whole ease. Isn't it? It's so easy doing this. It's so natural. And that's with the frame of mind you need to be in when you win. So, you know, the, one of the most interesting, um, Friday mornings ever on any championship could be the Friday morning in Monte Carlo when all these new cars go out. Uh, you know, they'll have to think about the layout of Friday mornings, whether these things are actually going to get from, you know, A to B and what happens if they don't. Uh, and, you know, I guess they'll be doing extra testing of them as much as they possibly can over December and January. It's, I don't know, is this what we put under, is this in that, that, that drawer in the, uh, in the cupboard that says teething problems, you know. I think, uh, I, John, sorry to interrupt, but I think we always have the the, the, the excitement when, when, you know, not that it's happened a lot, but obviously over the last 20 years, the changes in regulations always brings uh, a, a level of intrigue that, that Monte Carlo, it's an interesting start, isn't it, Monte? Because it's probably, uh, would you say, I'll, I'll ask you first, John, because I've just, just cut across you a little bit, apologies, but uh, would you say Monty um, was the toughest start to a WRC season? Yeah, 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 because of the variables, you know, weather, cold, all those sorts of things. The first one, so the brain probably isn't quite as fast as it needs to be, um, but with, you know, Monte Carlo, you're going out in brand new cars. They're going to anchor and, and host the whole thing, I think, from Monte Carlo or from Monaco because it's the beginning of a new era. I think what they want to do is get people down that wouldn't normally come down and see it. It's not going to be a gap, I understand. So it's, it's going to be further away. One of the criticisms of being in Monte Carlo, which had to drive so far to get to the stages. Yeah, um, I've done that. I can relate say, to that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I dare say, you know, Andrea Adamo and um, Yari Matti are thinking, well, I just, just hope we manage to get our cars to the first stage. Um, and it'll be, you know, just starting will be good. Um, and then from there on, the real fun begins. Uh, but, you know, maybe these variables are just overrated. Martin Wiedegger, who t- stepped into um, Thierry Nervo's Monte Carlo car with about five seconds to go, you know, get your kit on, you're in, son. Um, that didn't seem to bother him that much. Although, having said that and contradicting myself, occasionally Thierry at the end of a stage will say the notes weren't right. And, you know, it's down to the fact that Martin's either doing it too quickly or too slowly. It's just one of those other little things. I'm just not used to having that like that. I need that like this. 
And that's all down to, you know, where things are in the car and how everything works, that familiarity of it all, I guess. Um, that, that, that but comes, I mean, yeah, Friday that, morning in Monte Carlo will be worth watching. That comes just coming, but you, you've took us very neatly back there, um, right? The, the co-driver, merry-go-round. Um, and, you know, it'd we, be interesting to see who, who Gus ends up with. Obviously, we, we, you mentioned before about Chris Passon as well. But, um, you know, my my concern, as always, is, you know, who who's up next? Because, you know, you, you look at um, M Sport historically have always, and, you know, they, they kind of broke the mould a little bit, maybe because of the way Gus's deal works. I'm not entirely sure. I genuinely don't know. But historically, they've always gone when they've had a younger driver, they've always had the kind of stock co-drivers to go to, haven't they, over the years? Um, yeah, I, and, uh, you know, and, uh, and that is something that has changed over recent years. Yeah, I mean, th- that was always the the sort of sensible and, for want of a better description, traditional way to go about it. If you had a young driver, then you put in an experienced co-driver with them. You put in the wise head that... Um, Maybe knew the way around the rallies, or certainly knew the way around a rally, and 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 calmed the young driver down. But we've, we've seen on more and more occasions recently that um, you know young drivers and co-drivers have, have come up through the ranks together, and and there's been a lot of young younger co-drivers at a at a top level. So so it's been an interesting change. Uh, but having said that, I mean this current situation. There's is, been a lot of changes. You know, so you think about Adrian Formo. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's exactly where I was just going to go. You know, they always seem to get to a level, and there's not many. You know, you, obviously we can we can use Seb and Julian as, as a very good example. I stayed together, obviously. Um, um, uh, Seb Loeb, of course, um, stuck. Yeah, although apparently Daniel's not with him anymore. <laughs> is, is, is not even if he returns to rallying. Um, well, maybe if he returns to rallying, but uh, I was just alluding not, to that not, interesting, not in the interesting little, uh, yeah, yeah. interesting little was, Facebook was post. Was his dog that, not uh, well either? Right. No, maybe not. <laughs> Poor Jack. Poor Jack. Jack's getting a virtual kicking. Sorry, Jack. We love you. We love you. Um, listen, I, there was just a couple of other things I wanted to just um, touch upon as well with regards to. Um, obviously, we now uh, we now know. Obviously. Monza's coming in, John. There's been concerns about, you know, whether it should have been an eleven-round championship. You know, which obviously, as a, as as we we we've been whacked lyrical about Elvin, I'm sure he wouldn't have been that enthusiastic about that. The way things lie at the moment, but um, you know, obviously, mm. you were involved in some of the coverage, of course, from Monza last year. We all watched it as well. Mm. It, it it filled a void, you know. The uh, but obviously, it's not. Yeah. It's not <laughs> what we expect, is it? It's not really a WRC yeah. type event. But what did it? What did it fill it with? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. It's. Are we ever going to get to Japan again? That's that's the big question, isn't it? We seem to have um, not been able to get to Japan. There are lots of um, reasons why they were put uh, Monza in as the last one. You know, they went there before when it was kind of a fire sale, and Monza did a great job. Uh, this year, we've got a problem with you know getting a place to replace uh, round to replace Japan and probably Monza said listen if you get any trouble with Japan we're very glad to step in you know we can host all of this do it all in the park plus a little bit of the mountains but I know what you mean it hasn't got that kind of shush you know it's not got that kind of fairy dust and sector feel that we want the big vistas to have 
Um, what does concern me is that the, the, the really shrewd operators and the really shrewd, shrewd rally promoters have managed to uh, make an opportunity out of the COVID situation and say, hi, we'll take over. And I wonder if there is a clause in the contract that says as soon as normal services resume, whatever normal service in the World Championship is, uh, we'll go back to you know, New Zealand. Are we going to go back to New Zealand next year? What about them? I mean, there's a strong rumour they're, they're back in the, um, uh, the pencil calendar for next year. Where else are we going to go? What are the, all the other great ones that we've, we've got? Mexico and Argentina, we still can't get back to Central and South America. And will they be sitting on the sidelines going, look, hi, COVID dealt with it. It's gone, had the T-shirt, done the film. We'd like to come back in. And, you know, people like Mons will say, no, no, well, you're away and couldn't do it. We signed a three-year deal. You wait your turn. Mm. Right. Um, uh, there's obviously some efforts gone into the fact that they're, they're trying not to be as much um, circuit based this time round. But, you know, there's only so much they've got to play with, isn't there? Uh, yeah, there is. Um, and and I think, it, as, as we talked about uh, at the time, some of the, cir- the circuit stages were actually good. They, they made quite interesting TV, but not having two days there. So, uh, you know, if they, if they can break that up with, with more traditional stages which there's plenty of stages in that area that they've used on on national championship rallies we know how exciting the stages were last year um i mean in, interesting enough uh, i listened back to a podcast from whenever it was a couple of months back and we didn't know that japan was going to be cancelled at that point and john desborough immediately called it that monza rally will just be drafted in and that'll be the last round of the season so you know telepathy there, that's, why, that's, well, that's why that's why that's why we draft him that's why we draft john in it it could just be that he knows his finger is on every pulse in the WRC. I wish it, it was right. I wish it was. Of course it is. Of course it is. Um, uh, can we just just obviously? It, it seems odd because we feel like we've only just finished Finland and we're straight into we're obviously straight into Spain literally as we speak. But one thing I found. Um, one thing I found really interesting, and we talked, Ryan, last week about obviously the glass ceilings and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But of course, WRC2 um, this year um, is, it's been fascinating. Obviously, we've got Matt Osberg there and we've got, um, we talked about Andreas Mickelson last week. And of course, what what's going to happen if, if, if he wins both titles and, and, and where does he go? But, you know, the, the WRC2 um, entry list this weekend is... Uh, you know, uh, we talked about is there a need for, you know, we, we talked about um, B teams and stuff like that last week. But, you know, I almost feel like that maybe the likes of High and Die and certainly we know M Sport have used it this way, of, of, of course, um, uh, recently. Um, you know, you've got, you know, Mads Osberg, Nicholas Greislin, Yari uh, Huttonen, uh, Tino Sunanen, uh, Eric Camelie, of course, who was, who was a top line driver, you know. That's just a handful of names I've just picked out from, from WRC2. Is WRC2, um, is that where our B teams are going to be in the future now? Well, yes. Yes, for the foreseeable future, I think it is. We, we touched on it last week, you know, about, about B teams. But I, I just think while whilst the A team costs as much as it does, um, then, then, yeah, ultimately your B teams are going to come from Rally 2 cars because... Ultimately, the the B team is funded by external sources. Yes, it might be uh, manufacturer backed, uh, manufacturer blessed. Works blessed. Works blessed. But uh, yeah, I, I just don't think that the money's out there at the minute for for uh, a second string 
uh, rally one team. So yes, it's, it falls to uh, WRC two and of course WRC three, where we see some uh, semi big names there as well. In- there's some big yeah, names there, yeah. like uh, uh, Kaito Kaitanovic, you know, our own Chris Ingram, Josh Chris McClellan. Chris Ingram, of course. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, so, John, we, we, you, obviously you went with us last week, but we, we talked at length last week with regards to what we see currently in the WRC is effectively a glass ceiling because we don't know where, mm. you know, Andreas Mickelson would go, even if he does win WRC2 and yeah. does win the ERC. What's your take on it? We need another team, don't we? We need another manufacturer and another budget of about seventy-five million, if you know of any. Um, but you know, I think if you're not in the championship now, you won't be for a while because the car you've got to develop is this, you know, new technology. And if you haven't been in and you haven't been part of the hybrid discussions, then uh, I can't really see how you get involved because awfully complex. Um, but uh, yeah, we really need another team, and there are all those great names missing. Uh, all four that you mentioned, uh, are, you could write a thesis on each of them. You know, Chris Ingram could win WRC2 next season. Uh, but have all the teams made up their minds on who they want to have for the next two or three years? And how lucky, if that was the case, it was Oliver Solberg to be able to get in and share that car with Danny Sordo for next year ahead of Craig. Uh, you know, that, that was... The reason why that was never going to happen there, because they had Oliver Solberg penciled in. Um, Yari Huttonen, is it thanks? Uh, don't call us. We'll call you at the end of the season. And if it is, you know, where does he go? He can't go up through that glass ceiling. He can only go down, um, you know, into WRC3, which is probably, you know, some kind of really hip kind of rebel organization going on a bit like class 3c wasn't the bash street kids you know that's where they're all having a lot of fun but they're doing it in technology which is now even further away from the main event um where people are learning how to drive a brand new hybrid car and even when the world champion himself says that's it i'm off but i might just come back for a few events toyota already have somebody you know slotted in for that seat uh, Craig Breen is signed by M Sport for a couple of years. Brilliant, brilliant deal. Fantastic. I'm so happy about that. And, uh, who are you going to put in? Who's going to share the car with Danny Sorter? Oh, it's, uh, oh, it's not Yari Hoodman. Ah, that's right. Okay. Is it going to be Pierre? No, it's not Pierre Louis Dubay. Mm, okay. Who is it? It's the irresistible Olive Solberg. Um, you know, there are so many reasons. How much is that? How much, how much good stuff has that got guy, that guy got going about him, including, you know, his parentage and the fact that his old man turns up as well. Um, what have you got to do to get through that glass ceiling? Can I yeah, just, float, John, sorry to interrupt, but if I can just yeah. float, float an idea. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head right at the top there as well with regards to the number of manufacturers, right? I'm going to just bring you back in for a second in the sense of we, we all know the world is, is obviously being very different over the last 18 months. Um, you know, two years, maybe nearly now. Um, was this the wrong time to actually change the regulations? Of course, during this period of time where perhaps car manufacturers that may have been flirting with the idea, um, probably recoiled at the thought of spending any serious money on any kind of motorsport program because he really didn't know what the world was going to look like in 12 months' time. So the time when we should have been perhaps flirting with the idea or, or you know, the FIA or whoever it is, 
you know, reaching out to these manufacturers um, was never going to happen because it was never, they were never going to sell the dream over a Zoom call because that's what would have had to have happened. Um, you know, there was never, you were never going to get people into a service park, you know, if they were, you know, uh, warm to the idea, perhaps, you know, perhaps this was the wrong time to launch it in order to get somebody new in. Uh, I mean, yes, to to degree, but uh, but also these things have been planned a long, long way in advance, haven't they? And you know, pre pre COVID, uh, like we said, though, there had to be a change. I think some of the change was about being relevant to manufacturers, uh, as we uh, we touched on last week. If uh, w- rightly or wrongly, we've got hybrid cars next year. Uh, whether whether like Trev said, they should be all electric. That that's another argument, but. The WRC had to do something to even remain vaguely in touch with with what's going on in the real world. Um, so I, I think they had to make the change now. Whether whether it's the best time, you know, maybe not. But but I think the change has been planned for a long time. It had to come, and and the sport had to at least seem uh, partly relevant, even if it's maybe not the the best long term solution. Yeah, interesting, interesting. I think it's one of those things that could go. I, you know, wouldn't it just be nice to know? And you listen, right? You work with car manufacturers, okay? We all know there's lots of them now that, of course, that are are interlinked, so they're never going to, you know. I've used this story so many times. I feel like a broken round. But I remember even 20 years ago when Volkswagen kind of had a bit of a tidy up in their group, where you know they stopped kind of say it and rally, uh, say it and um, Skoda competing against one another at WRC level and you know they kind of had a bit of a tidy up with all the different brands and you know a lot of these brands now are all so interconnected you think about Vauxhall and Peugeot and da 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 you know realistically who's out there that's not connected to one of the manufacturers that's there that could possibly come in uh, I mean I, I mean there, there's a few manufacturers that that, that could come in uh, but it's it, like you said it, it's which brand isn't it you know like like you said when you've got the likes of uh of, of renault linked up with nissan as you said it's not it's not just um peugeot now you've got uh you've got fiat involved in in that whole thing now as well have you or is fiat involved with i forget now where's fiat involved with somebody tell me um, oh, i think you're right i think you're but right it's psa isn't it it's yeah. psa fiat yeah Vauxhall, um yeah. and and you know Pick a brand out of that, you know. Peugeot, Peugeot are uh, the, the a more sporting brand again, but but does it fit with them? They're all about electrification. That's the problem. A lot of the brands are, are all about electrification now, aren't they? You yeah. know, as the Volkswagen Group have already said, we will not officially compete in any motorsport unless it's electric. So mm-hmm. you're looking for a manufacturer that wants to, you know, obviously wants to. Uh, get their get their brand out there and wants to be seen competing, but it does seem that not many brands want to be seen competing with a combustion engine anymore, um, which which limits your your choice massively. <clears throat> I just I, I I just find it interesting um, that you know who is out there that could you know let's wipe the slate clean in the sense of you know if only but you know we hadn't had the last couple of years and. You know, we were trying to entice manufacturers in, you know, realistically, who's out there that could come in? You know, um, obviously, Citroen Citroen was part of the PSA thing. You know, maybe they've had the fingers burnt now. So the reality is, are they going to come back? Um, The only one that was kind of screaming out to me, as you've just said, there was probably Renault and Nissan. You know, Renault Sport, 
you know i've got a great a great bit deal of history with front wheel drive cars you know they've never really been uh not sailing for the in, in the last 30 years at the, at, the, at the very top of it but i don't know sorry john you were about to say so why don't we have tesla in the championship hmm I'd I mean, like to see somebody get one of those big a, boats around. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a crazy suggestion, but you know, that's the kind of thinking I think they've got to come yeah. up with. They should, you know, look to uh, America, uh, get in an American round, get an American manufacturer. Uh, you know, we're not where all the American brands, the GMs, uh, Ford's already involved with um, M Sport in whatever way that they are. Maybe they just give it their blessing. But if you could get another American manufacturer involved, that would that would encourage Ford to up their involvement and up the ante with Malcolm. Um, yeah, let's let's go and let's go and um, see what's on the American Rally Championship. See what's good. Encourage them to come and join the World Rally Championship and see what American brands we can get in. Uh, but I always remember when I was moaning to David Lapworth about, you know, oh, Mitsubishi are going and uh, so-and-so's going, you know, Citroen are going to go. Or he would say, well, you got to remember that when we started out the Manufacturers Championship, there were only two involved, and that was us and Ford. Um, you know, we always compare it to the heyday when when Skoda were involved and Hyundai were involved and, you know, Mitsubishi and Subaru and Peugeot and Citroen, they were all out there. It was fantastic. Um, what's the perfect number? The per- maybe the perfect number is the number you got plus one is the perfect number, but I still think they need to add one more. Uh, you need someone who's got a brand that will, could go and experiment in something like this. That's- what, 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 was the, what, was the, what was the year, John? Where and and you might even be able to answer this right, but there was a, wasn't there a year where they had to bring in a third car? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. think what it was, but his right. it it, 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 it two thousand four, two thousand five, somewhere back there. Okay, and this was probably a move to counter the fact that manufacturers were pulling in their horns and stopping, or maybe it was. Oh, I can't remember the context of what was going on then, but you know we've got here uh, effectively how many how many Toyotas were there in Finland? Um, Five. You know that's that that arrangement exists, doesn't it? We can have a third. There were always two car teams back in the sort of nineties and noughties, weren't they? Yeah. Um, and then a third one was added, and then people talked about the young driver program. You know that was the next thing. Um, I've just had a thought on the young driver program, right? <laughs> Radical though it may seem, stay with me, stay with me on this. So, yeah. um, your young driver, uh, in a, in a fourth car, in inverted commas, yeah. um, does, uh, <coughs> six of the 12 rounds mm-hmm. in a top line car. Mm-hmm. Um, and all manufacturers have to run a junior car, a fourth mm-hmm. junior car on six of those rounds. Yeah. What, what do you call it? The senior junior world rally championship um <laughs> let's not get too bogged down in the name of well, it right <clears throat> formula one's got into these sprint <clears throat> excuse me these uh sprint races hasn't haven't they maybe they could devise a championship within a championship but it was there specifically for the young skeptics like me would say cheap driver uh, championship the um the young driver program could they devise a championship that works within a championship i mean in spain at the moment they've got a couple of spanish uh, they've got is it the Spanish Cup or the Iberian Cup running on just the Saturday on the stages? Yeah, you know, well, is there, stuff is like that's way, happened 
for years they're all over so yeah 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 and they use they use cars uh you know they use the current technology um but it's it's not a um, dear manufacturer we want 100 percent more money from you it's just uh dear promoter I, that idea you've just had is only, only going to cost me another 20 percent next year but i like it i'm getting 100 percent value for 20 percent of the cost and then you could that would be the stepping stone between Next year's WRC2 brackets, boy, don't these look slightly old and sluggish in comparison to these new ones. And now the new hybrid era, which is that much further ahead, but we don't quite know how or why. There is, there's a big, bigger gap in there that needs to be plugged, and you might plug, sorry, see what I did there, and you might just have come up with a solution. Okay. Okay, I like that. I like that. I think there's more, there's, there's, there's definitely more meat on the bone there anyway. There's definitely more yeah, meat on the bone. By young, you know, I mean, by young, let's go teenage. Hell. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Listen, my son's four tomorrow, so <laughs> let's get him in. Let's get yeah, him in. Exactly. I'm not like, not like I'm a pushy parent. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Right, have you got anything to add before we go to any other business on that? Um, no, not really. I, I mean, it, it's just a, it, it's a difficult situation, isn't it? And it, it needs something. Yeah, it needs a cohesive plan, doesn't it? To, to allow drivers to, to come through the ranks. Um, you know, we, we bang on about one mate championships all the time at a grassroots level. It's interesting to see in Spain. I see there's the, uh, Suzuki Swift Cup this weekend. There's the Peugeot Iberia Cup, which has been going on for for a long time. Um, you know, we see the one mate championships are still quite strong in Europe, in Spain, in France, uh, etc. Um, but, uh, it's, you know, it, it, it's not an easy solution because we know how, how this whole sport revolves around money. And, and unfortunately, well, to move up know, the level, it, re- it requires money as well. Do you know the, the problem I think that, that that's come off the back of that? And maybe it's a UK centric uh, uh, view on this. Um, but the likes of what's happened with Calais and the likes of what's happened with Oliver Solberg, um, I think that blinds people a little bit. And there's too much of a rush to get a young driver into a Rally 2 car now. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely yeah. too, there's, yeah. there's, too, there's too much of a rush. And that's, you know, realistically, right, we all know one make championships. You've just listed two there um, over in Spain. We all know historically that what one make championships were. They were two-wheel drive, you know, front-wheel drive, you know, derivative vehicles. Um, and you know, it doesn't matter whether they had a hundred power or a hundred horsepower or a thousand horsepower. By the end of the season, you'd end up with the best driver. That's how they yeah. worked. Um, but I just believe that there's a view. It certainly seems over here, and I, you know, by all means, anybody wants to put me straight anywhere else in the world, but certainly in the UK, there seems to be such a rush to get people into an R5 car because they change, think that's changing quicker. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. So. I don't know, and whether it's because they've seen this thing that's happened with Calais and with with Oliver, but you know, uh, listen, let's not even get into the amount of money that's been been put into both mm. their careers from various sources to get them to where mm. they are today. You know, it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened and exactly by accident, has it? You know, no, be- with both of them, they had fathers that were in the championship who had done it, who who knew how it worked and could open doors. They both grabbed the steering wheel of a top line car by the time they were about two, because the dad had sat them in there so that the two year old boy can have a feel of what was going on. And they were both destined from very young, very very young, to have a go at doing what their dad did, and they both turned out to be very good. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, how old is Seb Ogier's son? <laughs> <laughs> Sign him up. Isn't that like uh, Ronaldo's son? Uh, the footballer, wherever he goes, yeah. he takes his son with him. And I don't even know what what his skill levels are, but let's be honest, if it was a prerequisite that he was ever going to be, um, yeah. he was ever going to be involved, then that was always going to be the case that uh, yeah. you were going to get, not only do you get big Cristiano, Aldo, you get uh, you get junior as well. But anyway, any go, we, we, we waffle on. Ryan Champion, do you have any other business? I do, yes. Go for it. All right. Well, just uh, really linking into to what we've been talking about. Um, obviously, what's happening a little bit further down the field on on Rally Catalonia. We've we've talked to John Armstrong at uh, numerous times this year. Um, John in a, a fantastic position in the in the JWRC. So uh, all the best to to John for this weekend. Uh, a couple of other uh, notable entries. Um, we talked about Pierre Louis Lubé pulling out of the event he's been replaced by former JWRC champion Neil Sorlands so he's got his opportunity in a top line car which is nice to see we talked about young drivers not getting the opportunity in these cars and uh, he's uh, he's got a fantastic opportunity in there uh, effectively his teammate to uh, Oliver Solberg this weekend um, and a couple of other names in WRC3 uh, Seb Perez um, so uh, many people in the UK will, will, will know of Seb. So Seb has been doing the British Rally Championship this year in a, an M Sport Rally 2 Fiesta. He steps up to the WRC this weekend with the, the same M Sport Rally 2 car. Uh, and also uh, another blast from the past in uh, in WRC 3 this weekend is Neil Simpson. I know. I was. So, you know what? I, I, he was my only the business, right? I was speaking to him last week. I, was, I actually spoke to him as you were about to start his test. Yeah. All right. He's, He's right, very excited. From here on in, Tony, you have to say Neil, not related, Simpson. <laughs> yeah. Do you know there was a period of time? Sorry, sorry, right to, to cut across, but I'll just tell John briefly this. There was a period of time, twenty twenty years ago. What year was Formula Rally? Two thousand and one. Yeah. Okay. So Neil drove the Polo Super sixteen hundred. Um, until he damaged his arm and he was replaced by David Higgins uh, in the TNT back Super 1600. And then in 2002, I drove the Group N Volkswagen Polo for the same team, Volkswagen Racing in the UK. Um, needless to say, I paid. There's, there's a difference between Neil and I. I paid for that privilege. Um, and um, there was a lot of people confused by the fact that Simpson was on the back window. And then I said, just look at the stakes times. It'll, 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 it'll answer all your questions and, and answer any confusion about whether I'm Neil or Tony. <laughs> Very <laughs> well, true. Wait a I've got a marketing idea here. We put the two of you together. We get that almighty great uh, television comedy program to back you with uh, all its branding. And uh, you each wear different wigs and your team will be known as the Simpsons. I see what you did there. I see what you did. I'll be fair, you telegraphed it very, very early on, so I knew where you were going with the punchline. But um, I'll be honest with you, John, um, I'm a bit of a media whore. Uh, I've been for a long, long time. And if it gets me, if it gets me free rallying, I'll do it. I'll do it. Uh, on the prerequisite that uh, Ryan Champion becomes Ned Flanders. <laughs> Ryan, sorry, had you finished your any other business, by the way? <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. You've explained who Neil was, former former factory driver for uh, for Volkswagen, um, British Championship regular back in the day. Uh, and the other one stepping up uh, to WRC is, is Freddie Milne. So uh, Scottish Championship regular has the experience, Patrick Walsh, alongside him as well. Yeah, yeah. Yours truly helped get them out there. Long story. 
for another podcast. There you go. There you go. But uh, the boys had some fun getting out there anyway. Uh, John, do you have any other business, sir? Uh, yes, it is a blatant uh, book plug. No, that's not like you, John. <laughs> I love the way people are uh, getting on to me on Facebook saying, has he got a book out? It's, it's marvellous. <laughs> um, I'm cutting a copy of Heat Soak, which um, when I can get out of the village, I'll send you both a copy. Please. Um, the, uh, the, you, the, everybody knows I'm a Luddite. And if uh, Amazon and eBay don't, look after you and don't play ball and just get on to me and stalk me on Facebook and say, I can't get a hold of one of these books. Seven ninety nine for either. I'll do you a deal for the two and find them on Facebook and I'll get them in the post the old fashioned way because I'm a there bit of go. a Luddite. And thank That's you also to um, M Sport for, for putting it on their website, which is marvellous. You can wow. find it there. Proper cottage industry stuff, this, John. I like it. I like it. I like, it, it. Do you know what? I've got this well, wonderful image of you in your back garden shed actually printing them as well. <laughs> It's almost like that guy in the village actually designed it and printed it. That, that is true. And yeah. it is the future because I went to see a publisher who's uh, just moved into Dorset. I said, listen, you know, can you get this into Penguin for me, please? How do I get this to Waterstone? As we all dream of, uh, that's where all books are going to be sold. He said, no, go local. Go do it all locally and establish yourself locally, which is, you know, the way our sport runs. You go and, you know, win yourself the uh, the village stages and then you get on to the kind of something else stages. Suddenly you're in the British Rally Championship. Suddenly you're in the WRC. So I should be going local, apart from people who gladly, I don't mind you, stalk me on Facebook and I will get you these books. Happy days. Thanks, John. Um, my my annual business this week is uh, we've got Ocean Price coming up after the break talking about his win on Mull. Um, but one thing that shouldn't be missed, and if you can catch any highlights or, or indeed, look at some of the onboards that you can find was uh, Matt Edwards fight back which was um, okay he finished um, you know a few a good few minutes behind Oshin but some of the times he put in after all the problems he'd had were just absolutely mind-blowing um, and massive respect to, to Matt for that so if you can seek out some of Matt's onboards from Mull it is a, a wow moment and one other thing which just quickly right before I go we mentioned before about car manufacturers and mentioned, ironically, we mentioned Volkswagen again. How good is that Polo? Because you think about it, obviously it was the, the car to beat over in, in Finland. Obviously, the, we know we've got two really strong um, over here now in the UK doing the British Rally Championship, obviously leading M Sports in the manufacturers in, um, in, in the British Rally Championship. But um, how good are those cars, bearing in mind that the development supposedly finished about 12, 18 months ago? Uh, yeah, well, like you said, it, it's it's certainly a good car at the minute. I mean, and as you said, development takes time to come through, and you know, the, but the, the Polo had an extensive development program. They were taking it to uh, virtually every round of the World Rally Championship after the WRC event had happened, so they could test on the stages and, and get uh, relevant information from what had happened the previous weekend from their competition. So it, it was the most comprehensively developed R5 car at the time. So. No surprise that it is successful, but but nonetheless, we're we're going to see new cars coming through now that'll that'll take that crown away pretty quickly, I think. Well, there you go, there you go. All right, folks. Uh, John, thank you. Good luck more with the book. I look forward to receiving our copies. Thank we will we will of course catch up again uh, in yes. a few weeks' time before the end of our Little season. Uh, Ryan Champion, I'll let you get back to being really frustrated looking out the window at the lack of building going on. Um, Thanks. Yeah, no. Well, to be fair, we're going to talk to Ocean Price, of course. That's a little bit of a pre-record, folks. Um, it, as this drops into your your uh, little podcast hole, obviously that uh, we're already in the midst of Spain, so we could be slightly out of context on a few bit bits and pieces. But uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy it anyway. But uh, there you go. So, listen, we'll be back after this break. 
This is Absolute Rally. Absolute Rally continues to be partnered by the Kielder Works team, who remain fully committed to the sport and are pioneers of the latest technology. Kielder cordless tools are tailored for all forms of competitive action. Go back to the future with the Kielder Works team. Welcome back to the next section of Absolute Rally. As mentioned at the top, we've got Oshin Price, fresh from winning uh, Mull last weekend uh, with Ryan and myself. Oshin, welcome back to Absolute Rally. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me. That's okay. It's a, we're glad you're down a ladder now. That's the most important thing. Yeah, feet on the ground. Yeah, that's it. Well, I see what you did there. Does it, that's actually quite a good analogy to start, isn't it, really? Are the feet back on the ground having um, one, one Mull in the BRC? God, yeah. I mean, uh, you've only got twelve hours of the journey home to <laughs> to think about it and 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 just be a normal person again. So, yeah, you, you're very quickly sort of brought back down to earth, and especially when you uh, get back into your work clothes and and carry on as normal. It's uh, yeah, there's no more, not much more of a reality check than that, to be honest. Before you, you know, obviously it, it's it's now very much. Uh, I think it's fair to say a two-horse race between between Matt and yourself. Before you went into Mull, did, did you know? Was it to you know? Is it now just a case of just making sure? Well, prior to Mull, making sure you're in front of Matt. Yeah, really. Um, we we'd, we'd sort of been waiting for that win for for a while. Um, we'd obviously jokered for Mull as well, which uh, was a couple of different reasons. We looked at it from a few different angles and thought, well, it was the best all round option. And, um, in terms of competition, we only had Matt and ourselves there. So, you know, if, again, you've only got to look at Matt's situation. We, we looked at it in a, in a way as well on the flip side, where if you were to have an issue, you could still scrape back good points, which in that situation worked very well for him. So, um, obviously that didn't happen to us. We, we managed to get maximum points of everything, which is, uh, yeah, what we set out to do really. But all the same, it was a strange rally for you because obviously Matt had his problems so early on, on the first stage. And then uh, from then on, all you wanted to do was finish the rally. Yeah, it was probably the hardest hundred and, well, I think the rally was 148 miles and I think 145 of them I had to drive very very slow um, so it was a long 145 miles and having that in the back of your mind with a car which we'd struggled with on shakedown to be honest um, we'd had a plan as well to sort of not go out of the gates as fast as we could um, from the advice we'd been given as well it, it was not the thing to do so we were kind of using our heads a little bit and just picking our stages where to push and where not um, but again it was a long rally to just, you know, it's so easy to sort of throw the car off the road. There is absolutely zero margin for error on those roads. So there was a there was a lot to lose, really, and, and you know, not a lot to gain because we were there. We just had to manage it all. Well, we'll talk about the stages in a minute, but, I mean, what were the issues with the car? Was it just that the car hadn't been on something as, as bumpy and undulating as, as, as that sort of car before? No, to be fair, the issue, we've kind of established what the issue uh, might be. Um, from my sort of background, really, and how my driving style works, um, or is, um, the car itself is very, very flat, very neutral, doesn't pitch or lean. Um, and that's that's great in a, in a sort of 
dry conditions where you know you have grip, but um, in, in on a surface that's very sort of changeable, and obviously it rained quite a lot, I've always had a car that moves around and just sort of leans into the corners a little bit so you know it's working and not going to just slide off the road. But we tried to change the car so it would do that, but... Obviously, whilst doing that, we we occurred some other problems with the setup that we were kind of heading in the wrong direction. Um, but then once we sort of realised this, um, obviously we we were sort of um, just managing our position from very early on. But we were tr- trying to change it back as we went because you know there was some good mileage there to learn. But yeah, when we when we changed it back or we were going back in the other direction, um, the car then becomes a bit of a beast and you have to be 100% on top of it for the car to actually work. Um, so that obviously was creating another problem with me driving at, you know, 60, 70%. I wasn't actually working the car for it, for, for the car to perform as it should, to be honest. So it was a combination of, of many different things. We tried to, you know, different tires um, that we hadn't tried before. And we only used the dry weather tires as well. So, um, yeah, it was a combination of things and the combination of, you know, having so much to lose and having waited so long to have the win again. Um, I didn't want to give it away that easy. Now, obviously, it's the first time the Mull Rally's uh, been in the uh, the British Rally Championship. I guess some some people listening to this will, will, will have been to Mull and know the rally very, very well. But others, particularly overseas listeners, might not really know a lot about Mull Rally. So uh, how would you summarise Mull Rally? Uh, in one word, I've said this over the, the last weekend, and it's it's unique, really, is, is the best word to, to summarise Mull. Um, I can't really think... There's there's bits of uh, different rallies I've been to. Um, Noel said um, some of the stages are quite similar to what they have on Rally of the Lakes and in the Kalani region. Um, there was one bit of the stage there which was quite similar to one stage we did on... Uh, rally by Keradigion. Um but it, as a whole atmosphere, as an island, as you know, you, you're looking at the rally as a whole. It's unlike anything else I've ever done, and obviously the the vast majority is in the dark, which we enjoy very much. Um, and we, you don't really get the opportunity to do that much these days. Most rallies are in, are in daylight, so it was a nice uh, it was a nice sort of thing to have, and obviously shook the championship up. And nice, it's nice to you know, do a variety of different events. Oh, she mentioned, you mentioned before that there wasn't a great deal of, um, obviously, other um, Rally 2, R5, whatever, whatever we're going to call them, competitors there. Um, obviously, there was a lot made of the fact of the cost to go and do an island event, uh, which is, you know, whether it's that island or the Isle of Man, wherever it may be, there's always a lot made of, 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 of island-type events. Was there a temptation perhaps before this to try and almost have a, a gentleman's agreement with Matt where both of you didn't go to try and save those pennies? Well, when we spoke about this, we were actually on the island and we had a bit of a joke and it was sort of, we're, we're too late now. We're, yeah, we're going to have to do, we have to just crack on. Um, but to be fair, there was a lot of, there was a lot of effort gone into sort of try and get it in the championship and it was nice to have it in the championship and nice to go somewhere new. I mean, there was obviously, you don't have to be, uh, you know, a detective to see how much grief there was on on social media against the rally, against the championship, and even personal things again against you know Matt and myself. But uh, I think the the situation ended out 
you know, it ended up very well, really, and it was nice to go. And uh, I don't regret the decision of of going, really. Um, okay, the, the the cost of things was quite high, um, but again, it was only like doing uh, Ypres as such uh, back in seventeen when we did it. Um, but again, it's it's nice to have variety of different events, and and that's kind of what makes a championship. Um, you can as as cost effective as the one day events are. Uh, it 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 does shake the championship up, and it gives you a bit more of a, an opportunity to sort of plan your event more and do a bit of a strategy strategy and yeah, and chip your way through it. Really, um, yeah, it just adds something to the championship, and it was it was great to great to be a part of it. Really. Having got the win, you've obviously, as you say, you've played your jokey 16-point lead, two events to go. We've got Cambrian, which is obviously a short shock, shock on gravel, uh, and then finishing off over in Ulster. Um, what changes now from your perspective and, and, and your point of view of how you approach these two events? I think we've got to aim for those wins again, to be honest. I mean, if we if we get a win, I think somebody pointed out to me yesterday, if we win the Cambrian and Matt doesn't finish, I think I think we can take the title, to be honest, if if Matt has jokered as well. Um, so there's a bit of pressure here on, on Matt as well. So we're kind of uh, ahead and controlling things at the minute. Okay, if you take drop scores into account at the minute, um, you know, Technically, we only lead by one point, but as as thing goes, as the time goes on, we'll know where we are with that. But the aim is to to win. It's going to be difficult to do that on Matt's uh, home roads. But again, there's no there's no reason why why we can't perform and and do the job really. Um, Noel and I were discussing you know on the way home from the event and. We've we've achieved what we've achieved this year without really feeling a hundred percent comfortable in the car. Um, whereas Matt has been a bit more comfortable with it and at one with it a bit more than us, and has been able to sort of push for those stage times. Uh, whereas we haven't really. So, in the grand scheme of things, we've done very very well. Um, it's just now we need to put a bit more effort and a bit more time into uh, getting the car right and getting me settled and happy in it really. I hate to ask this because I'd cringe if this was the other way around. Like that's going to ever going to happen, by the way. Um, but if this was the other way around, I would genuinely would cringe. But have you allowed yourself? You know, it is uh, you, you know, obviously you've got you've got great history. Obviously, not only in doing obviously the DMAC Drive Trophy and obviously all, all all that stuff overseas, but you know you've got a great deal of history in in the British Rally Championship. You know, um, going back with the Fiestas and then of course with the DS and stuff like that. Have you allowed yourself? you know that thought that this is as close as what it's been for quite some time to to, to finally laying your hands on that trophy yeah it's it's been on my mind all year and i mean at the start of the year we only set out to do the first three um that's kind of uh how we looked at it how how much budget we kind of had ready um so yeah we had a successful sort of first three rounds and it's kind of slowly ticked on from there and I think the result of Mull has kind of just sort of uh, cemented really that we're here now committed to to obviously trying to trying to win this title because I've been so so close so many times I think I've I think I've led the championship on three different occasions and never won it um so I think it's about time now that it it, 
the trophy came back to my house, to be honest. So I need to put the effort in. Listen, uh, we wish you the very best of luck and, and thanks for joining us. And of course, we will catch up with, with all the runners and riders probably post Cambrian now. So we're going to let you finish your brew, let you get back to work and uh, wish you the best of luck for the rest of the year. Thanks, guys. Happy days. Ocean Price, thanks so much for joining us on Absolute Rally. Folks, we're going to go to a break and then we'll be back with JWRC with uh, Seb Scott. This is Absolute Rally. Whether it's the pressures of service or an issue out on the stages, it's vital to have the right equipment to hand. Kielder cordless tools are tailored for the world of motorsport and are being used throughout all forms of competition. Go back to the future with the Kielder Works team. Hello and welcome to the final section of Absolute Rally and another debutante, didn't realise, never had them on before, but Seb Scott, media manager for the Junior World Rally Championship, joins us now. Hello, Seb. Hello, Tony. Thank you for having me. Well, it seemed the most natural place to go, um, with as much love and respect as what I can show you on our podcast, but it's the final round of the juniors. Obviously, we, we, we've got a bit of a vested interest in there. We've got our, our, our boy in JWRC, of course, is John Armstrong with Phil Hall alongside, but, uh, well, I thought best not to disturb at the moment. As we record this, it's Tuesday of Rally Week going into the final round of the juniors. You're across everything and you're obviously from a neutral footing. So I thought I'd go from a neutral footing with this one. And I wanted you to perhaps take us through the runners and riders and as opposed to permutations of the complicated mats that are surround the final round of the Junior World Rally Championship. Oh, wow. Uh, I think first off, permutations-wise, we've got double classification points for the final round of the season. So 25 points for a win is actually 50, 36 for second, and so on. And we've also got the stage win points. That still stays at one stage win point per stage win. So overall, there's 69 points up for grabs. Um, so it's wide open. Anything could happen. Wow. So there's not, obviously, as we look at this at the moment, John's obviously in the lead um, on 88 points, but we, we are going all the way down to, 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 to Robert Virez. I hope I pronounced that right. He's, he's currently sat on 36. Yeah, so we're dropping the worst scores. John leads actually by five points over Sammy, and you've got Robert Virez who's down in sixth with 36 points. And in fairness to him, Robert Robert is quick. He came blasted on the scene last year in Estonia, led for a lot of the rally, um, but then ended up dropping to third. So it's very unlikely that Robert could wrap the title up, but anything's possible in this championship. But the the three real contenders are John Armstrong, Sammy Pyrie, and Martin Sesk, and all three of them have won events this year. John being the only one to win two. And, and, you know, one thing we, we, we've said, I think we've said it on the podcast, and I think we, we may have even said it to John, it, it, this was, um, John's matured quite a lot, I think it's fair to say recently, this, well, not recently, probably over the last few years, but obviously COVID hit a little bit for, for, for John's programme last year. But looking at it now and looking at going into this, obviously from a, a slightly absolute rally bias point of view, um, we, we want to see... John get the result, but uh, I suppose it's it's kind of been forgotten about a little bit. Just how important this that this step is. What, what is it that these these boys are fighting for this weekend? So it's not just a championship. Basically, the winner of Junior WRC wins a Fiesta Rally Coup. They actually get the keys to it, 
They win 200 Pirelli tyres. They win free registration for WRC2 next year and five free entries in WRC2. So it's it's a life-changing prize. It's, you know, it's a proper step up um, with a lot of less stress for the driver. You say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's easier said than done but still there you go it is yeah but there's always stress there's always stress involved in a rally car as I say we're, as we record this it is actually Tuesday so we're quite early on in the week um, as you're listening to this pod it'll be a Friday morning obviously the event will be We'll, we'll be going live um, later today as, as as you're listening to this, if you are indeed listening on the Friday um, before um, the weekend of the rally. But um, I'm assuming the boys will be obviously going into recce. Have you seen any of the boys yet? Have we, have we, have we spotted any nerves amongst the, the ranks yet? Yeah, so we, we caught up with them yesterday. Uh, we did our pre-event interview with them. Um, Sammy and Martins have put in a lot of testing. Uh, Sammy did two half days, did about 100 kilometers. Martin did two full days of testing. Uh, we think he did almost 200 kilometers on two different roads. So they did like a, a fast road with long corners and then a short and technical test road. So they're feeling quite at ease, if that makes sense, because they, they're comfortable with the roads that they're going to be taking on. John hasn't done any testing, but then John has got the, the road knowledge here. The the weakness John's got here, he's never he's never done Friday stages before, so it's sort it's sort of all balancing out a little bit. But they're, they're not letting any nerves show. I'm sure there are nerves, but they're all feeling comfortable and confident. The other unique thing, I guess, as well uh, about the juniors, of course, is the the points for stage wins. Yeah, which to um, me. To, 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 to me, would absolutely do me as a driver because I've always been one that likes to grind it out, as as, as they say. Uh, whereas here, you know, you, you you can literally be grinding out stage wins, stage wins, stage wins, and you know, to, I suppose it's a bit like the power stage points with the big boys. You know, the the the, the points that can be picked up just throughout the days uh, are also championship changing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like you could. Um, you could close the points gap between first and second by just winning stages and, and end up scoring more points. John in Belgium, he wrapped up seven stage wins as well on top of his 25 points. And a good example, Sammy Pyre in Croatia, he was lightning quick and he got it wrong over uh, more of a jump than a crest. I think he thought it was a crest. And uh, basically, his rally was over for an overall result. So then the next day, he just absolutely battered it and got nine stage wins and ended up getting more points than you would for third place. So it's you cannot let up. You can't take your foot off for one minute. Uh, is anybody on, 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 on the Junior World Championship team um, have, a, have a flutter at all? Are you a betting man, Seb? I am a betting man. Um, oh yeah, okay. This is going to get interesting. Then. <laughs> I, I could get in trouble, but uh, I think John's got the edge right now with the road knowledge. But uh, Sammy and Martin, for me now, are unknowns with the amount of testing mileage they've got, and a complete dark horse for the rally win is William Crichton. After after his performance in Eve, uh, it was an oil pressure sensor that meant he was sort of out of the running for an overall result, but. Strong result. Was, was 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 William on? Was he on Mull? Yeah, he was just on Mull. Yeah, and he got 
third overall in BRC, I think it was, was it seventh overall on the rally? Yeah. Like, he's, he's looking good, Will. He was, he was the new kid on the block at the start of the season. And yesterday we did his interview and he just said, oh, well, you know, uh, I'm just going to take it easy. Uh, I don't want to set my expectations to go. I was like, Will, you, you know, you've shown us what you can do now in Eve. I don't think you can use that as much of an excuse anymore. No, do you know, I have to say, I, I've been aware of, 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 of Will for probably five years. Um, you know, I know we're not talking about BRC per se, but when we came back into BRC in 2016, we ended up in the same class. And it was the, the, the long-standing joke of me winning BBC4, but we ended up with, with Will and the fire, I think it was the Manx, um, I'd been using the 208 R2 at the time. And yeah, you know, if he would have turned up all year, um, it would have been a very different result. Let's put it that way. <laughs> we, we wouldn't have had that BBC so four title, but, uh, he was, he was a quick boy. And that was five years ago. So you, you know, you kind of forget that, you know, a lot of these young lads, even though maybe they haven't been on the world stage for, for a great deal of time and they're new to, to perhaps our overseas listeners and indeed, obviously the WRC audience you know they've, they've been getting some fantastic grounding uh on national events as well oh god yeah i was i was chatting to adam the cameraman adam smith i'm sure a few people know who he is and adam's brother and dad could not believe the speed that will add on mull like the just the level that they're bringing to the junior wrt is it's phenomenal it's when they go back to the national events you realize just how quick these guys are yeah yeah because um, Lowry Unar, he's finished junior champion this year. Sammy Pyre was junior, finished junior champion before him. Robert Verves, he's done a couple of events in an R5 recently as well in Estonia. And he's been right up there. Yeah, it's it 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 is it is it it is a very very different level, which I don't think a lot of people grasp until. And I guess that's the good thing, I suppose, what the juniors does when they do take that. I, I use the term loosely that step back into you know a national british title or whatever it may be or whatever you know obviously finish it or, or, or whatever then that does really showcase just the level that the boys are at because you know there's, there's always going to be somebody sat at home thinking oh you know i was as quick as him i put in times to similar to him and then you see them take that that come back and you see the work that's going in and all of a sudden it's like oh okay yeah i get it yeah, no, I think I love doing with these guys when we get their onboards, watching some of their onboards, because they are just on the limit. It's uh, Admittedly, the speed isn't the same as like your Rally 2 and your WRC cars, but on on some events, the speed that they're still pulling through corners, because it's a smaller and lighter car, it's, oh, I love it. I really yeah. do love it. Good man, good man. So your cheeky flutter would go on, on Johnny Boy then? Yeah, I think... Uh, Johnny Boy's got the edge, and then I think Sammy Pyre is going to give him trouble, though, because he was fast in Croatia. Okay. If well, he doesn't have a mistake, he's going to be a big threat. Let's see what goes. Seb, thank you so much for joining us, mate, and doing this cheeky little bit of a preview for this final round of uh, of juniors. We thought we'd get, as I say, the, the neutral um, perspective from it. So I'll let you get back to work now. Thank you very much. I've just got some any other business. You've got your own any I other business. Like any- <laughs> Hang on a minute. Yeah. <laughs> you can't bring your own any other business. Well, I haven't. You, you guys have always got any other business. I just want to thank Jack for the last episode for bringing up Craig Green's tea because we've shot that and it was horrendous. 
Well, yeah, but of course it wasn't. It wasn't Craig. Well, we got 15 minutes out of that if you listen to the last podcast. But um, we've got a whole new subject we're going to cover this week, uh, right at the beginning, which is going to be very, very exciting. If you, if if you, let's put it this way: if you were stimulated in inverted commas by our tea debate um, and coffee, uh, middle class coffee last week, strap yourself in, pull your socks up, because. As this episode started and you've got to this point, you'll realise just highbrow we've actually took it to, Seb. Oh, well, well I will be tuning in. I, okay, listen, I do listen weekly, so thank yeah. you very much, right? And no pro- no problem at all. Well, well, well th- thank you for, for for bringing your own any other business, which was actually somebody else's any other business. <laughs> See, if you I'm weren't just, first... I just want to keep it going. If you weren't first time, Seb, this is the point where we bury you for being lazy, for using somebody else's. <laughs> But I'm too right, polite to do what. that with a first timer. Right, I'll consider my knuckles wrapped. Gotta look after a debutante. So there you go. Uh, folks, that right. has been absolutely right for this week. I do thank you for the download. Keep supporting the podcast. Keep supporting our friends at Keel as well. Without them, we wouldn't be here. We'll be back same time, same place, in your podcast hall next week. Absolute Rally. Powered by the Keel the Works team. Spread the word and download the podcast every week. 